Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Okay, so today we're going to read a lot about a dramatic soap opera in the Bible between Leah and Rachel. But before we dig in, I want to just read our monthly verse, Philippians 2 verse 1 to 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. Now, I want us to look at a short overview of what we're going to unpack today from Genesis 29 and 30. Our scripture for this month is something that I really think Leah and Rachel should have learned. The soap opera would have looked completely different. Um, And in this letter to the church in Philippi, Paul advises the people to have a selfless attitude like Jesus. That means thinking of others as better than ourselves and more important and looking out for the interests of others. Jesus was selfless when he came from heaven to earth and died for us. He's the greatest example of selflessness. The story of Leah and Rachel is a messy one, messy in many ways. Jealousy, envy, and selfishness is rampant throughout the story. And I can't help but to see our own societies today looking very similar, right? Every person is out to gain as much as they can for their own gain. It's a culture we have created, injected with lies from an enemy that tries to teach us that we will be happy when, we will be fulfilled when, we will be satisfied when, and Jesus teaches us the exact opposite. I love this about Jesus. He just messes things up from the way that we think in the natural and in the flesh. I love also how he modeled for us a different way to live. If Leah and Rachel had any bit of our month's scripture in their hearts, their story would have looked completely different. The culture in which they lived though, caused a lot of their mindsets and outlook. Same as today, Leah and Rachel were taught by culture that their worth was in who they married, when they married, and how much their spouse loved them, and how many children they were able to conceive. Works. What do I have to do to be loved? If I have this or that, I am worthy. If I can do this or that, I will be worthy. I will be loved. This was normal within the context of Genesis and their season and culture. But thankfully for us today, even though we still, you know, do the same thing and think the same way, um, we also battle many of the same thoughts, but we also have the fulfillment of Jesus now 
of what happened on the cross as well. And His Word, we have His Word that teaches us the opposite, even though we battle the same things in our minds and in our society. We have the example of Jesus because He came, but He came after Genesis. And He taught us how He did things, how He loved, how He determined what worth was. Another gift we have today is knowing that blessing comes from the Lord to us. Not because we are great or good, but because of the covenant God has made with us through Jesus and promises He has given us in His Word. I want to pray with you right now. Thank you. Thank you, Father God, for the covenant. Thank you for your blood that was shed through you, Jesus. Thank you that we are now a new creation. The old has gone. Thank you that we can now rest in the promises and in the knowing that we find our worth in you. We are victorious because of you. We are righteous because of you living inside of us, not because of anything we can do, not because of who we can marry, not because of where we can live, not because of how many scriptures we can memorize and recite, but because of you. You are just the gift for us that makes us righteous and holy and worthy. And we thank you for that. Amen. Ah, oh, what a great, what a great relief and gift we have in Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you have areas in your life where you catch yourself leaning towards the doing in order to be blessed, you know, catch yourself in the moment, um, catch yourself in those moments by asking yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to get something or am I doing this because I get to do it? It's about changing our perspective and it's completely a different focus. Now, let's take some time and dig into the, these two chapters, Genesis 29 and 30 together. Let's read the chapters. It's a bit of a read, but bear with me. Grab your Bible and read along. Genesis 29. This is where Jacob meets Rachel. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Naor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban's, Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. 
Then it came to pass, when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. So yeah, stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah also as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son, and she said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now chapter 30. Let's keep reading. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees. Then I also may have children by her. Then she gave Bilhah her maid as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Billah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. 
When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as a wife also. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name God. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now, Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, it is a small matter that you have taken away my husband. Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Isaacar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter. Wow. And called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes for I have learned my experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything if you will do this thing for me. I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages come before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that is... That is where according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hands of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. 
Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flocks of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they may conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Wow, that's a lot. But that's interesting. Now, let's take some time and dive deeper into Genesis 29 and, and 30. As I said before we read that. At the beginning of this chapter, we see Jacob arriving in the land of the people of the east. So clearly, J Jacob recognized the region and the people, but he didn't know exactly where he was. He didn't know exactly where he had arrived. So in verse 4, he asks, My brethren... Where are you from? Now, remember, this was needed because this was an age before clearly marked roads and signs were known. So Jacob didn't know exactly where he was until he asked some of the locals and they confirmed to him that he was at his destination. That's why he asked that question. In verses 10 and 11, we see Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth. That's a whole interesting little scenario there. Remember, Jacob knew when he arrived here that he came to marry one of the daughters of Laban. Remember, that was written in Genesis 28 verse 2. So he had this in the back of his mind. So I think he was more than willing to show kindness and perhaps even his strength to Laban's daughter, Rachel. So after she was introduced as his daughter, that's when Jacob went and removed the stone. And Jacob basically was... I think, showing off. The shepherd boys were all there waiting for someone to come remove the stone and Jacob was like, I'll do it. Then he kissed Rachel. I'm not sure about you, but I see when I read this, I see a bit of a Beauty and the Beast scene with Gaston, you know, in front of Belle, being all macho and showing off in front of, of Rachel now, Jacob. Uh, Jacob in front of Jacob in front of Rachel and Gaston would do it in front of Belle. Now we see also after Jacob meets Laban, his uncle, he confirms that he will stay there to work for him. And Laban asks Jacob in verse 15, what should your wages be? Now to us, this might sound like a nice offer, but really Laban let Jacob know that if he wanted to stay with him, he must stay as a slave, as a hired servant. Jacob has never been a servant. Jacob was the son of a man of tremendous wealth. Certainly, Jacob was not lazy, but he wasn't used to the physical hard work. Jacob had servants to do the hard work back home. Now Jacob became the servant that needs to do the hard work. So with keeping that in mind, I think Jacob's reaction in this situation really revealed a lot about his character, right? This demonstrates the principle that you never know what kind of servant you are until others treat you like a servant. In Genesis 28, Isaac sent Jacob away with a powerful blessing of fruitfulness. You'll remember that. And he spoke over him that he will inherit the land. So this really is such a beautiful picture of, for us of how God's promises always will come through, but the journey might not always look the way we think it should look. If God speaks 
over your life and says that you're going to be a king in an area, it might mean that there'll be seasons of being a servant in that area before. And sometimes we look at that and go like, where is God? This is not working out for me. This is not what God promised for me. Yeah, it is. Just wait. Just hold on to the promise. It sometimes looks a little bit different, the journey, than what we envision. In verse 18, Jacob says this. He says, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. The offer to work for seven years was essentially a dowry. Jacob came from a family with great wealth, but he left home with no money. And we see in verse 18 that Jacob is now done waiting. He said, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. These words are clear enough. Jacob waited and even though the time went quickly because he was so in love with her and he loved being around her, when the time was done, he was done waiting. Jacob was a very, very, very patient man in my opinion. I'm not sure how many men today will work only for room and board for seven years to wait to have sex with the women that he is so passionately in love with and wants to marry. He was a passionate man and a patient man. Now here is the part that was so confusing to me when I read this. Verse 23. So the night came that he was to marry Rachel, but then Laman took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. When I read this again after a long time, I was wondering like how on earth can somebody be so dumb, right? Like or what kind of customs did they have? Did they have their honeymoon night without the wife being seen at all. She was like blanket thrown over her and the man just did his thing. But after doing some digging, I realized that it was actually very possible for Jacob to be fooled because of the wedding customs of the day. It wasn't like that, but according to those customs, the wife was veiled completely until she was finally alone with her husband in the honeymoon suite. Now, if it was dark by that time, Jacob and his new bride were alone together, something that obviously Laban would not have difficulty arranging. It helps to explain how Jacob was deceived, how he could have been so easily fooled. Then if we keep going, in verse 25, we read, So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. I can only imagine how Jacob felt, and how Leah felt, and of course how poor Rachel felt. All this was because of Laban's sin. Or perhaps one should say it was because of Jacob's sin. Now the deceiver was being deceived. Jacob deceived his father and now he himself is being deceived. And now Jacob had to serve him another seven years. As I was studying, I read this and I'm going to quote this. The second seven years made up Jacob's postgraduate work in the School of Difficult Experience. Jacob's main subject in the School of Difficult Experience was, you reap what you sow. How true is that, hey? Laban, Laban was a perfect picture of a deceptive manipulator. He ended up getting exactly what he wanted. Both his daughters married. Yet this would turn out really badly for both himself and his daughters. And I really feel sorry for Leah in this whole soap opera. I mean, she was truly the innocent party initially in all of this mess. In verse 31, we read this. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. God's compassion on Leah is touching. 
And you can see here that God can bring comfort and blessing to a wife and meet her needs, even when the husband acts in an ungodly manner. Next, we see a lot of focus on the names of all the children the woman had. The names had so much meaning in those days. So let's look at Leah's first four sons briefly. The first child born to Jacob through Leah was named Reuben, and Reuben meant behold a son. This was her statement to Jacob and all others that the Lord had looked upon my affliction. Look what I have. The Lord had looked upon my affliction. Then the second child born to Jacob through Leah was named Simeon, meaning hearing. And Leah hoped with this that all would notice that the Lord had heard her prayer. The third son born to Jacob, again through Leah, was named Levi, meaning attachment. Leah still lived in the hope that her husband Jacob would love her and become attached to her through the birth of these sons. This was her big, big focus and desire. The fourth son born to Jacob, again through Leah, was named Judah, and Judah, Judah meant, meant praise. So apparently Leah stopped naming her children to reflect the pain and longing in her heart. And by this point, her focus shifted from desperately trying to get her husband to love her through these children to actually praising God. She could praise him. That's why the fourth son was named Judah, which means praise. Now we are in chapter 30. Let's look at chapter 30. And we see here that even though Rachel was beautiful, I mean, she was the chosen sister, right? She must have been quite something considering Jacob's incredible sacrifices to wait for her. Yet she was still so unhappy and unfulfilled. In verse 1, she says, Give me children or else I die. Rachel was near despair. I'm sure you can also just imagine hearing Leah say, if I only had my sister's beauty and the love of my husband, I would be happy. And we can hear Rachel say, if only I had sons like my sister, I would be happy. Beautiful or plain, with or without children, we all have our problems. And we almost often seem to be unsatisfied with what we have, envying what others have. In verse 3, Rachel uses the phrase, bear a child on my knees. Now, this refers to the ancient practice of, of surrogate adoption. Some people, that, some people believe that the phrase refers only to a symbolic placement of the child on the knees of one who adopts it. And others believe that it refers to the surrogate sitting on the lap of the adopt, adoptive mother during both insemination and birth. Now, next we see two more children being born and named. Jacob's fifth son, born to him through Bilah, the maid of Rachel. Because remember, Rachel couldn't, so she said, here's my maid, have babies with her so that I can have children. Um, and this first baby that was born through Bilah was named Dan, meaning judgment. So because of her own envy, she viewed this child born of the flesh as a victory and a vindication for her. And then Jacob's sixth son, born to him also through the maid Bila, was named Naphtali. This means wrestle. She chose this name because she felt vindicated after wrestling with her older sister Leah to provide Jacob with heirs. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle wrestle with my sister and I have won. That's what she was saying by naming him Naphtali. 
Leo, who has stopped bearing children, probably saw the strategy was working for Rachel and still desperate to be loved by her husband. She figured she could use the same surrogate mother method to increase the number of children accounted to her so that she can win. She needs to be the one with the most kids because then hopefully Jacob will love her. So Leah gave her maid Zilpah to Jacob, just as Rachel had given her maid Bilhah to Jacob. And more children. Jacob's seventh son, born to him through Zilpah, the maid of Leah, was named Gad. And Gad meant troop of good fortune or good fortune. So the wives of Jacob continue to use their children as pawns in a power struggle within the home. Jacob's eighth son, born to him through Zilpah, the maid of Leah, was named Asher. And Asher meant happy. But what was very sad is this one is interesting also and sad because she did not name him happy because she wanted him to be happy or speak happiness over her child. But her focus was all just on herself selfish. She did it so in verse 13, she said, so that all the daughters will call me blessed. So I will be happy. In verse 14, we read about Reuben finding mandrakes in the field. This was interesting to me. I actually didn't know the meaning of any of this until I studied this so that I could do this study with you. The mandrakes, the mandrake is a root. And it's called the love apple in Hebrew. They believe that the mandrake will increase fertility in women. So because Leah ha um, had the mandrake, she knew she could sensually maneuver and manipulate Jacob to, have, uh, to sleep with her. And believing there was a greater likelihood she would become pregnant then. And her plan worked. He wanted her, he went into her, and she got pregnant again. Jacob's ninth son, born to Leah, was named I Isaacar, Isaacar, meaning reward. Leah named her son, again, reward. Leah saw the son as a reward from God because she was generous enough to offer her maid to Jacob. <laughs> Soap opera, that's what I said. And they kept coming. Jacob's 10th son born to Leah was named Zebulun, meaning dwelling. Leah was having lots of children, but deep down her heart was aching and she still waited for her husband to truly love her and live with her. And she hoped the sheer quantity of sons would win his heart to her. Now, after 10 sons, Leah gives Jacob another child, but here finally she has a daughter and she was named Dinah. Apparently, there was nothing symbolically significant in her name. I guess the girls were just not important, did not carry value in that time. Now, here we have Jacob, 11 children from three different women and still not one child from his beloved wife herself, Rachel. But then we read in verse 22 that God opened her womb. The idea of God's sovereignty over the womb is a repeated theme in the Bible and the purposes of God in opening one and closing the other is completely unknown and maybe completely unknowable. But one thing we know is that God has his purposes. So Rachel gives Jacob a son. Finally, the 11th son born to Jacob, his 13th child. And he was named Joseph, meaning may he add. 
Rachel felt she had been vindicated by the birth of one son, but longed for more children to continue the competition with her sister Leah. As we come to the end of the chapter, we see in verse 25, Jacob asks Laban to please send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Now, I found this interesting too. So, even though Jacob was in Haran with Laban and his daughters for more than 14 years, he knew that he belonged in the promised land, the land promised to him by God through the covenant made with his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. So after 14 years, Jacob still called the promised land my country. Verses 32, this was also interesting that how this all went about. The spotted and speckled among the goats and these shall be my wages. Here we see Jacob would take the speckled and spotted offspring, but first he had to separate the currently speckled or spotted animals from the rest of the flock. This set the probability of more speckled and spotted offspring against him, right? So part of the deal was that Jacob would care for the large flock of his father-in-law Laban, made up of solid colored animals. Jacob received any speckled or spotted offspring of this flock. Then we see the interesting rods and tree scenario from verses 37 to verses 39. We read, Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees. When Jacob put these branches in the watering troughs of the flocks, it apparently increased the number of speckled and spotted offspring from the solid colored flock that Jacob managed on Laban's behalf. This is what I found out about this. So Jacob also used selective breeding to increase the strength and vitality of his flock. We don't know exactly how this method worked, but it is possible that Jacob knew more about animal husbandry than we do today. It's also more likely Jacob did the best he knew and God blessed it. What we do know for sure was that Jacob was abundantly blessed, right? <laughs> the ancient Hebrew says, the man burst out exceedingly, exceedingly. God blessed Jacob, but it was not because Jacob was especially good. It was because of the promises God made to Jacob in Genesis 28 and the covenant made to Abraham. Jacob was a covenant man. And if there's only one thing we remember from these two chapters, this is it. Jacob was a covenant man and that was the cause and the root of all his blessings, not his works. So I hope this encourages you and empowers you to, first of all, know a little bit more about the story of Leah and Rachel and what a soap opera it was. Learn a little bit more about the meaning of the words and how that inner conflict that they had kept going. But also just look again at, at the incredible blessing on Jacob's life. He was not good to earn that blessing. You can see in this, these chapters. But God was good. And God made promises over his life. And that was what he could walk in. We have amazing promises over our lives too. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.